Welcome to Breaking the Grid, a show produced by SAC Desco, where we talk with designers in Sacramento, California, and we learn about how they got to where they are today. I'm Milo Cho, one of the producers of the show. In this episode, our host, Noel Sambathi, talks with Ivan Villa, who went from busing tables to co-founding a full-service design agency. Thanks for tuning in to Breaking the Grid. So I guess before we begin like the actual podcast, can you just tell our listeners or me and Tanu um, a little bit about what you do specifically and maybe what Scribe does, your digital agent? So me specifically, I handle more the digital side of things. So when it comes to developing websites, integrating things, um, just integrating things, that seems to be my realm. Um, Scribe as a whole, we're multidisciplinary. We have a designer, we have photographer, videographer, um, and I handle the digital side. So we're a little bit more well-rounded together, but individually I focus on one thing. Okay, so when you say digital, you handle more of the like web development or, and maybe like the graphics for the web development, or is that more what your designer does and you integrate together? Yeah, so pretty much anything that goes on a screen, because it's like when you design for print, it's kind of a slightly different discipline mm-hmm. versus designing for screen. Okay. So for me, I'm worried about like assets and file size and how they're going to be loaded Mm-hmm. versus when you're designing for print it's more about the bleeds the the how it's going to get processed and all that stuff okay. so i end up helping a little bit too okay that's mm-hmm. cool so did you start out as a de- like as the web designer and whatnot or was that kind of something that you just fell into uh i think i chose it once we started um mm-hmm. i've done a little bit of everything because i started with photography, went to design, okay. um, and I was dabbling in, in web work. But when it came to like forming a company, we kind of looked mm-hmm. at everybody's talents. Mm-hmm. And the one that was lacking was web development. And I mm-hmm. said, well, I've touched it, so I think I should strengthen that. Okay. Um, wow. So when did Scribe start? What year? 2014. 2014. Okay, so that's wow, like five years now. Yeah, really exciting. <laughs> That's huge. Yeah. So, why did you decide to start the agency? And you know, like, did how many people were around when you started? And uh, let's see. Um, I think a personal reason. I'll give you the actual details, but a personal reasons of why I decided to start it was um, I was freelancing for a while, um, and I was doing good just on my own, doing a little bit of everything. Um, but I wasn't reaching the caliber of work that I wanted to do. I saw a lot of projects out there that were more advanced. They, they were more detailed. Um, what kind of work were you freelancing when you say that? Uh, it was just kind of like building small websites, like WordPress okay, sites. So it was clients. web. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but also like print stuff as well. And I was also doing all the product photography for people. Yeah. You're kind of like the whole package. The whole package all in myself. <laughs> and I was realizing that... I can never get to that level because I only had like 24 hours in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that was, I was starting to sacrifice sleep in order for me to put the hours needed. Yeah, which is not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good at all. So um, for me, it was one of those that I said, it's like, well, when you partner up with somebody else, and I was doing freelance work, and I, one of my friends, Patrick, he was doing freelance work. Mm-hmm. When we partnered up on something, 
you can you can really see the quality go up because now you have two people dedicating both their time right their full energy into this and is patrick the one that you started scribe with uh, yeah, well, I start all three of us started together. Okay. And can you name all three? So you, yeah. Patrick, and... So we got Patrick and we have Allie. Okay, Allie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Neat. <clears throat> so it was the three of us. Um, so the actual, um, I guess the way we started was I was doing freelance work and Patrick one day reached out to me um, just out of the blue and said, I'd like to meet up with you. I see that you're doing photography. I'm also doing photography. Mm-hmm. Um, let's meet up in Davis and kind of chat yeah was he a friend of yours at that point or was he just like some you know yeah we went to high school together we had like one class together um Mm -hmm. we grew up in winter so it's a very small town yeah so you pretty much know everybody but i think we only had that one class together but he was the one other photographer that i knew um from that town. from that area (laughs) so he met up he's like hey i do photography you do photography let's get together and yeah Make something cool it was pretty much that and also introduced his girlfriend he said uh my girlfriend Allie, she does design work um it would be cool if we kind of work on projects together and, and at, uh, when i first heard that it's like okay it's your girlfriend and she does design work yeah. it's like of course she's gonna be good yeah. um but then i actually uh, went out we met and mm-hmm. um it was i mean just the, her focus was really spot on patrick's work was mm-hmm. really great um and it seemed like something that we were all interested in doing, yeah. um, except Allie was still going through school and okay. she was really trying to focus on that. Mm-hmm. So what we did was I continued my freelancing and Patrick started doing more freelance work um, and we just kind of did that until eventually Allie graduated. Uh-huh. And she graduated and then that was when you kind of decided to start the agency for good. Like, yeah. okay. So did you go to school for design, for web, for anything like that? No, it was uh, straight out of high school. Um, mm-hmm. I ended up, I guess, where did my journey begin? Uh, straight out of high school, I was actually a busser. Um, okay. And I was in a band. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the what first... What instrument did you play? I was a drummer. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> so, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I was, I was doing that. Um, and, and it was a good... I would say it's a good gig for a little bit because it's like I would just work at nights and in the mornings I'd get to practice. Um, but eventually I kind of wanted more out of my life because mm-hmm. it was a lot of just spending money on like rehearsal spaces, but not really making it as a rock star. Mm-hmm. Um, Darn it. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and then I think I remember, I think two things kicked it off. So one day we hired a photographer because we needed a photographer for our headshots and it ended up costing us like a thousand dollars to get this mm-hmm. to, to get these shots for the band right? for the yeah. band okay. and i was just like where was patrick when you needed him right <laughs> well yeah where's where's patrick but for us it's like i'm in the wrong business it's like playing music i'm not making any money right now yeah. and like photography is something mm-hmm. and i think i remember talking to the photographer and he said it's like yeah it's like just buy like a 300 hundred dollar camera or something and mm-hmm. off of um craigslist and then just go at it yeah so that's kind of what started my photography was just like okay that seems like something i want to do yeah so what was the first camera that you bought oh it was actually camera nerd so (laughs) yeah no worries it was actually not a three or four hundred dollar ones it was a 100 dollar polaroid point and shoot wow it was really really but you made it work well (laughs) yeah i think i made it work because it's like just capturing a photo is um there's still a lot that you have to be good at just like Mm-hmm. composing the scene and everything yeah and i was so yeah and i was so limited 
with the technology that it's like that's all I could do. Right. And then I eventually did invest in a, a nicer camera than a nicer camera and kind of built my way from there. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that kind of kicked off photography and also me owning Photoshop, which then helped mm-hmm. with the design aspect. Helps with everything else, yeah. So how did you make that transition from photography to more design-based stuff? Because it sounds like you met up with, um, gosh, I just lost his name. Patrick. Patrick. Yeah, yeah, I knew it. <laughs> um, so you met up with Patrick and you started doing photography together and then you met Allie, who did design. So how did you start getting into that design stuff? Right, so... Um, I would say before we started the company, I was freelancing for like seven or so years. Mm -hmm. So during that time, I started photography, I got Photoshop, and what kicked me into design was actually working at the Buckhorn. Um, The manager at the time was was needing a a poster or flyer made, Mm -hmm. Um, and she looked at me and says, you're young, you know how to use (laughs) a computer, can you make this? Okay. And... Here I am like cleaning tables and I'm thinking, well, I have a camera, I have Photoshop. I wonder if I can make this. I think it was like a uh, some like drink um, poster. Yeah. So I ended up like putting something together. I think it was a mojito drink actually. <laughs> and I ended up using like, I, I used the color picker to pick the, the same color green, made the border, oh my gosh. picked a clean font. Yeah. We sent it out. <laughs> uh, it was at Kinko's, got it printed. And she said, this is great. Um, and it took me like 30 minutes and I think it was like a $40 like little uh, yeah, job. Project. Yeah, and I was cool. just like, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I could do this. <laughs> I could do this. Why <laughs> not? It kind of built your confidence. You're like, heck yeah. So you got started with, you know, something that you already, you kind of had an in because, mm-hmm. you know, but that's really neat. I like that. Yeah. And how do you feel about that work now? Like, have you looked back on it and thought, oh, that was great or, oh, wow, I had so much to learn. <laughs> I kind of wish I kept it, but I think I deleted it. Oh no! Um, the, it was definitely one of those. Um, like if I look at it today, I would not. I would not consider it like good design at all. Um, but I think that's kind of to learn, right? Yeah, you have to do a bunch of bad stuff. It's like I remember, like even in in doing photography, it's like a lot of people say it's like your portfolio is so great. How did you get these? And I'm like, in order for me to take like. 10 good shots I had to take 1,000 bad ones and it's the same thing with design for me it's like I've made a lot of bad projects Mm -hmm. and then I learned from them and I said well I gotta I can improve next time I can improve next time yeah and exactly you're just improving you know little by little probably and I mean now you're pretty successful I would consider you because I mean you have your own agency and um, so I saw that you have done work for Buckhorn again with Scribe right so how did that come about did was that like or who was your first client i guess as a as an agency um well there was a couple different ones so the way we worked was i was freelancing so when i started buckhorn was my only client Mm -hmm. and i eventually started gaining more and more clients Mm -hmm. uh when we formed scribe we all brought different things to the table Mm -hmm. um and including, clients, including clients. So I think uh, since Patrick was freelancing for a bit and I've already been freelancing for a while, the clients were the ones that came with us. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's cool. So so when you were freelancing, you were working with Buckhorn and how did you get your clients? Were you um, kind of cold emailing? Was it word of mouth? Was it? Yeah, it's a lot of word of mouth actually. I remember the first, um, I would be doing stuff for just, uh, so let's see, Buckhorn 
has a lot of different restaurants. Mm -hmm. They have their main steakhouse, which I worked with. They Mm -hmm. had like two other restaurants in the town. And then they have their franchise um, that's a little bit larger. So it's one of those that I started in the, um, I guess, just working at the steakhouse. And eventually the other managers at the other restaurants were like, wait, how are you getting design work done? Right. And she said, well, it was, you know, Ivan, he's our busser. And it's like I started branching out um, into the other restaurants. Then eventually the owner caught on and said, how are these guys getting their work done? Because we need work for the grills. Mm -hmm. And that's high branch there. Um, And that was still working for the same company. But eventually other locals kind of went to um, the Buckhorn manager and said, who's Mm -hmm. doing all your work? Right. So it's a lot of businesses uh, just kind of talking with each other and saying, I like what's going on here. Can you give give me some referrals? And it was a lot of referral work. Wow. So you were handling that by yourself basically for a while then. Wow. That's pretty incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's a, I, that's a huge client and I would feel that that would be a lot of um, work. And so it's awesome that you managed to start up the agency as well as, you know, doing your freelance and kind of make it all work together mm-hmm. yeah so what would you say then was maybe one of your biggest struggles that you faced either in your freelancing or when starting the agency or now or you know at the very beginning mm-hmm. um, um let's see i would say one of the hardest things is i kind of jumped into this not already working at another agency mm-hmm. and not already working at a even a similar type of industry i think there's a lot of people like if you work at a creative agency you get to learn all the process and kind of the way things work Mm -hmm. and then if you were to go do your own thing you can learn from that right you can use those experiences Mm -hmm. yeah so for me it was a lot of like this is very new to me so i had to make a bunch of mistakes just so i could learn from them and i was adapting um things that were from you know, lessons learned from my clients onto my own business, even though their business was maybe direct to customer selling food or wine, my business was creative and business to business. So I said, how do I adapt these things? And did uh, Patrick or Ali have any experience with um, agency work before? Or were you all three coming into it as kind of, you know, just jumping in and learning how to swim when you were there? No, so Patrick actually was doing uh, freelance work with another agency um, Mm -hmm. when he was doing work. And then Allie went through the Sac State Design Program, which Mm -hmm. so she had the most uh, robust experience when it came to working on teams and creative process. Mm -hmm. So it was really great that they kind of came on board because they helped supplement a lot of things that I was lacking. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it sounds like it's that you have a good team there, I would say everyone has their own thing is there any defining moment in your life that maybe set your path or it doesn't even have to be related to design but um is there any defining moment in your life that kind of shifted your worldview and you know changed your way of thinking to what it is now (laughs) um yeah i would say let's see i could pull up a story um i almost joined the air force really yeah and I remember this was at the same time that I was I was kind of doing a little bit of photography, just getting into it. I was in my band, mm-hmm. um, but I was realizing that I wasn't making any money. And then the Air Force was like, well, I can 
make more money um it's mm-hmm. stable it's secure it's something that i could get into yeah um, and they have some creative roles in the air force exactly okay. i was i was already looking at the band i was already yeah. looking at all the different things that i could do with it um and i think i did i signed up i was talking to a recruiter um and i was already i think the only thing left was to sign the paperwork um but that night that i signed the paperwork I had a concert to go to with my friend. Mm-hmm. So we go to this concert, and this was back in, gosh, what was the place? Like a small little venue um, here in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, but we get to hear the band. It was just such a great experience to see, like, this is a band that's been touring all over, and here we're trying to do that. And while this was happening, I couldn't hear my phone, but the recruiter was just calling and saying, like, hey, just making sure you're, you're able to come in. We'll be, and then he called again, just, you know, double checking and pick up my last call. Um, and eventually I did. So here's where all the, the stories kind of split a bit. We ended up talking to the band afterwards. And I was like, how do you guys like it? It's like being like, you know, in an actual good, famous uh, rock band. Yeah. And he's just like, well, we're touring in a van right now. <laughs> And we're eating ramen. So it's not as glamorous it's as you not, think. Yeah, it's like it's not as glamorous. And it's like, and in my mind, I'm thinking it's like, whoa, this is crazy. It's like you're not really having that glamorous life. It's like, yeah, but we love it. Right. And that's kind of what started making me think. It's like, do I really, do I pursue this whole like music creative thing mm-hmm. um, knowing that I would probably be eating ramen and on a bus? Right. Or, like and on would a you van. be happy with that? Yeah. Exactly. And then kind of hearing what they did and they were happy with it. And I said, that could be me. It's like sometimes it's like if you're passionate about something, Mm-hmm. Um, why not give it a try? Yeah. And I think that did change it. Um, I ended up getting like 10 missed calls from the recruiter. And the last one was just like, well, it sounds like you may be having second thoughts. So if you change your mind, let me know. Mm-hmm. And I said, gosh, you gave up on me so quickly. I was just at a concert. <laughs> but I think that's also where I decided to say, you know what? I'm not going to go the Air Force route and get like this secure paycheck i'm going to try to be a creative person yeah and try to make it and wow so that could have been a completely different trajectory for you i mean that could have that's a big decision (laughs) but um how old were you when that happened oh gosh how long ago was that Uh, approximately obviously (laughs) uh early 20s i would say early 20s okay wow so you said you were you know uh raised in winters and you started the agency here in Sacramento. So how did that come about? Did you um, so, see like something valuable here in the city? Well, we'll say I did start freelancing here. So a lot of mm-hmm. our, my clients were from this area. Mm-hmm. So when it came to like forming the agency, it just made sense that we're kind of close by. Absolutely. Um, and Buckhorn has a few locations here too. So yeah, I think at the time they were just in the Bay Area. So that was probably the furthest we would go. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just kind of same, right? We were all kind of living here. Okay. Um, so just location. All right. So what um, what were some of the first things you noticed about the Sacramento design community? And do you think that it's changed maybe over the past few years or since you've started the agency? Yeah, um, I think it's it's become a little bit more, uh, I guess, seen. Um, so for me, uh, when I would always think about design, and keep in mind, I grew up in like in a small 
um, town. And when I was working, when I first started, I was living in a small town out in Winters. Mm -hmm. We looked at like San Francisco, you look at uh, Seattle, you look at the major cities and you think that's where all the design's at. Mm -hmm. And you don't really think of Sacramento or a lot of these uh, smaller areas. Um, and, and when I do that, I think about the businesses that exist because right. you won't see like high end brands. You right, won't you see... won't see huge tech startups here. Exactly. Oh, I mean, you might now, but you yeah. didn't back then. <laughs> exactly. Um, so for us, how would I say this? Um, I'm also one of those kind of people that like accessibility. As far as like I, if I wanted to do good design. I don't feel like I have to live in San Francisco and just do it exclusively there. Right. I felt that I can bring it into my town. I felt that I could bring it into Sacramento. Yeah. Um, and for me, Sacramento was one of those, like, it, it feels like a large, small town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it kind of so, does feel like that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people know each other. Um, and I kind of like that. And like the fact that it's like, this is a place where... Uh, good design can happen even though we're not surrounded you know maybe we're not known for it but it doesn't mean it can't happen here Mm -hmm. yeah we definitely had a lot of potential I feel like and especially in 2014 you said you know you started scribe that how do you feel the culture was during that time do you think that that was like the timing was right to start the agency was it something that you just felt like it was the next logical step or um was it kind of a struggle do you think during that time period gosh um honestly i didn't even pay attention too much on when i should start it Mm -hmm. i think it was one of those well actually if i if i step back we were going to start it once Allie graduated Uh so there was a preset time of when we were going to do it um but for us I didn't, whether it was like a good idea or a bad idea, we just knew that if we started one, um, we can start creating good work or better work than we were doing as individuals. And that's Mm -hmm. what we wanted. Right. So we just said, you know, we go ahead and do it. Mm -hmm. So when you started, did you kind of start as just a group of people working on things together or did you decide, did you get together and decide we need to start something legal, like right now. Like we need to start an agency immediately. Yes, uh, legal Zoom is a great <laughs> plug, but that's kind of what we did. Okay. We we what want... is that? Sorry, I don't know. So legal Zoom is a website that you can just go into, and then just they have a lot of the formation paperwork. So you just kind of mm-hmm. fill out a form, and they're just like, here it is. Here's all the formation. Here's all the paperwork, and they kind of just handle that for you for like a small fee. Mm-hmm. So for us, um, I was always doing things as a sole proprietor. And then when it came to forming, uh, we just looked online, figured out the LLC was a good uh, formation. For yeah. So we just went on LegalZoom, filled out the LLC stuff, and then... That sounds pretty simple. It sounds like... <laughs> <laughs> How did you come up with the name, Scribe? Or uh, who came up with it? <laughs> so Scribe was not our first name. We actually started with a different name. Okay, what was the first name? So the first name that we had was, and it's still technically our legal name, is Transmute. Oh, interesting. Okay, so let's hear the story of Transmute first, and then we'll hear the story of Scribe. Yeah. Uh, So there was a lot of different reasons, but I would say the main one was um, Google competition. We (laughs) wanted a word that when you search for it, we would immediately rank up top because there wasn't a lot of other words. Okay. Um, And... It was also kind of just a cool word. I think we were very into like 
games with alchemy and stuff like that and then just the idea of like transformation Mm -hmm. um and us trying to like you know here in sacramento trying to do really good design yeah trying to transform the design scene it's kind of yeah so just a lot of these little signs it was like this sounds kind of cool and it makes sense why not Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where we started um, with that name eventually how long did you keep that name for uh let's see i would say two years or so because there was then a change in our uh the way we did things Mm -hmm. and what was that change that you're talking about the way you did things uh let's see um so i think it's one of those that when we first started the company we didn't really uh know what we wanted to be we just know we wanted to do better work so you know when coming up with name was one thing but even like the our brand our design of our website Mm -hmm. uh it it was very black and white Mm -hmm. um we didn't kind of really want to stand out and we were still doing a little bit of everything um because like when i was freelancing i had a very diverse um set of things that i offered and it was the same kind of thing um but we got to this point where we had to start uh, making a decision you know we have to start shaping this to one direction or another um Mm -hmm. because we can do a lot of like what I would say like production style design Mm -hmm. where we have a lot of clients we have a retainer and we're just kind of knocking out their daily design work or we do more specialty stuff stuff where it's like a client comes to us with a problem Mm -hmm. and we have to think of a unique way to solve it Mm -hmm. um and and those are more like one-off projects a little bit a little bit more one-off projects Mm -hmm. also different skill sets I would say um when it comes to like hiring and how you're going to grow if you're going to be doing a lot of production work um you're going to need someone that can be daily an illustrator, daily right. editing websites uh, versus the more strategic skill that you need for doing something that's a little bit more one-off projects um, mm-hmm. that are a little bit more bigger. Yeah. So for us, we're just like, well, what direction do we go? Um, and I think we ended up wanting to change it. We didn't, we were doing a lot of production work and we wanted to do more strategy mm-hmm. Um and with that change we said well should the name go with it too okay um there was also some challenges with the name because when it came to uh pronouncing that name it was very hard yeah yeah people would sometimes spell it so we're just you're familiar with problems pronouncing names right yes (laughs) yes uh my name is ivan but i halfway through i started calling myself ivan just so people can spell it correctly yep something that most people can identify with or some people at least (laughs) so you were in that transition period which i love that you had another transition period because that's kind of like what this podcast is all about it's all about transition periods and kind of deciding which direction to take and you know was there anything specific that um kind of laid that path out for you that really showed you which direction to take or Were you just kind of like weighing the options and said, eh, we sound like we want to go more towards this? Mm, Well, I think we were confronted with the issue because when you start to grow, you start to realize that you need to start making decisions Um, like this idea of do we do more production or we do more specialty stuff. Mm -hmm. We were faced with decisions of like, who do we contract out? Who do we work with? What clients do we take on? And it was it was kind of getting tough for us. 
So we were kind of forced into like, we need to make a decision. So we did end up like laying out all the different options out there. We, we looked at a bunch of uh, agencies. We studied their models, their clients, kind of what they said on their website um, mm-hmm. versus their quality of work that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used that to kind of help us determine where, where do we want to go with this. Yeah, absolutely. So then you made the transition to Scribe, mm-hmm. which how did that name come about? What was that one? You know what? I think Allie came up with both names. Uh, because, she's the designer, the creative, the everything. <laughs> yeah, she is definitely like out of all of us, she's the most creative, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to like even words, um, she just knows how to pick them. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. I mean, it's it's a neat little idea to scribe, you know. I don't know. So... <laughs> Um, you said that you were facing some challenges of like trying to figure out which direction to go and you kind of saw that you're trying to take on more, you know, um, problem solving work. So have, I guess what I'm trying to ask are, is what do you do when a client comes to you with a problem that you want to solve, but you don't necessarily feel like your agency has every tool to solve it or maybe have you ever had that experience yeah we have actually um that's probably one of the things that has set us different mm-hmm. um is that there's a lot of things that like i love to learn about um mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff that i would love to do um but we're not exactly the best at it mm-hmm. um so we've we've had clients come up to us and they ask for like you know a b and c and we can do A and B, but C, we're kind of, we just know about it and we're not really that good at it. Yeah. So, so what do you do? Yeah. In that situation, do you have like people that you recommend or? So if we have people that we could, that we recommend, or if we do, we'll go ahead and recommend them. But if we don't, a lot of times we're frank with our clients mm-hmm. and we let them know that it's like, we love doing the work that we're really good at so that way we can deliver it. Yeah. But if it's something that we're not the best at, um, we kind of just let them know that it's like we can totally help you with these other things, yeah. but this is something where we can't deliver one hundred percent. So that's why it's not even in our offerings. That's good with the honesty. I like that model. So, do you have you ever um, contracted out, you know, freelancers for Scribe or in that kind of situation, or are you just the three of you? You take on all the work and that's it. No, we, we do have some um, a lot of our development work, too. Um, there's been some contractors, uh, friends mm-hmm. that we've met through local meetups um, mm-hmm. that uh, have been able to help me knock out a lot more um, specific projects when it's a certain language or a certain challenge that I know internally we don't have the skills for. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my network, I do. We've done that. Yeah. Um, we've also recommended to other agencies um, when we know that they're good at a certain uh, sk- they have a certain skill set. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, that kind of brings me to my next question of um, you were talking about people that you've met at meetups and whatnot. So have you found that meetups or conferences or specific books or anything are very valuable to your work? And um, if so, which ones? What do you recommend? Ooh, all right. Um I think they're extremely valuable, um, especially for somebody in my situation, because I, if you look at my education, I grew, I went to high school. So a lot of people that I went to high school with aren't the design crowd, aren't the people that are 
that are doing what I'm doing right now. So it it felt very isolated a lot of times. It's like you learn a lot from um, online forums, um, from just reading blogs, but you never really got to meet people. So when I started going to meetups specifically about like um, code, um, JavaScript, or any kind of local meetup, Uh it kind of let me uh, meet people that were in my industry doing the things that I was doing. Facing the same challenges and whatnot. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And it kind of, how would I say this? It's very easy to get imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. um, because you think it's like, I really don't know what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you start talking to other people and then it's like, yeah, nobody does, but we're still (laughs) figuring it out. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else is, that's the good thing about meetups, huh? Is that you can kind of get an idea of, everybody has imposter syndrome at some point yeah so what uh, so so you went to a lot of coding meetups i see um did you go into any design meetups before or um have you are you even familiar with any design meetups that maybe we haven't heard about so there wasn't a lot of sacramento design meetups mm-hmm. um so there's a couple things one of them is that i was switching into the world of development mm-hmm. so as soon as we started scribe my focus was more on like development and that aspect of it I, I still cared about design because mm-hmm. we're still designing these things um but i think most of my attention went to the development side mm-hmm. um and then i didn't really find a lot of design ones the few ones that I did find were usually in San Francisco. So I would go to like to SF Design Week mm-hmm. um, or there'd be, uh, what's it called? Salesforce would have a special event for two days uh, just talking about the future of design. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the biggest problems I think that we, I mean, you know, because you're one of the co-founders of Desco too, <laughs> but I think that was one of the things that we talked about at the very beginning was that there weren't really many designs uh, meetups or groups in the area. Um, and you had to go to San Francisco for a lot of them. But now, I mean, super excited that Design Week is starting their own week here in Sacramento yeah. in May, which is huge. And um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different groups, Creativity Plus and things that have started up. Um, so did you attend any? I mean, I know that you've said before that you uh, presented at a conference, correct? Or you, you did led a workshop at a conference? Uh, yeah, I've done the WordPress. Um, I've also, I've talked at meetups. So just like the same meetups that I would go to, they would often need speakers. So I would do those. Is that Um, how you maybe got your start into, you know, giving more presentations and feeling a little bit less of an imposter and more of a professional? (laughs) Right. Um, actually, let's see, cause I can, I have one story on how that started. It was with the SAC web dev. I think that was the meetup that I was going to and I kind of had this passion or this interest for SVGs um, just because in working in Illustrator, you look at the export and it was one of the things that you can export it as, Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really know about it. There's a lot of code, um, but I was curious about it. What can I do with this? Yeah, what can I do with this? And then when it came to, um, what's it called? the the organizer was saying well we're looking for speakers and i said well someone should talk about svg because i think that's a really interesting topic and he says that someone should be you (laughs) was that your first um like type of presentation or anything that you had to give i would say in in modern times yes kind of just it's what kind of kicked off a lot of the most recent stuff Mm -hmm. um 
And I said, well, I just have no experience on this. I'm not a professional on this. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, that's the best way to learn. A lot of these people, you know, you do not, you won't be an expert at it. But if you have a presentation that's due like in a few weeks, you're going to become an expert on it. Right. You have to learn or I mean, you're going to want to learn exactly, so that you can tell your best. Wow. So so that was kind of the start of it where I did, um, I said, sure, I'll do it. Sign me up. And I had no idea what I was doing. So here I am like researching everything about SVG, looking at like white papers, things that I probably wouldn't have done on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, but since I had a deadline, I said, okay, I have to do it. Yeah. Um, ended up giving the presentation and I felt like I learned so much more just by giving that presentation. Yeah. And then another meetup, I think it was the WordPress one, mm-hmm. said, we'd love you to do the same presentation over here with us mm-hmm. um so ended up doing it there and then i eventually i was asked to do it at the ward camp one when they did the sacramento wow. one and it was the same presentation did you iterate on it yeah a bit? i definitely um i adjusted it for the audience uh-huh. um so that's kind of one of my things when it comes to presentations um i feel like there's a lot of different people are in different I guess, spots or places in their life. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so when I did the WordPress one, I knew that there were some people there that are developers. They know code. And there are mm-hmm. some people there that are just users. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have others that are designers. So they don't really know the code, but they are kind of shaping things. Right. So when it came to SVG, I said, this is a topic that can benefit a lot of different people. So how do I explain it? So each person kind of gets what they yeah to tailor it to all the different people who have different experience and whatnot so how did you overcome that um it was a lot of well a lot of practicing it but i put myself in the shoes i guess of each one of those because i have been uh from a designer's point of view i know the struggles there because i was coming from design going into development Mm -hmm. um and from a developer's kind of view i know what we're looking for as well um and then from a user, a lot of our clients. Yeah, just, you were able to just kind of do user testing on, or not really, but. Yeah, but well, it's it's one of those that you kind of know um, the limitations like of a client where it's like they're not experts in these fields and they kind of trust us to be. Yeah. So a lot of them are just making businesses business decisions from Absolutely, this. Yeah. So for me, it was just like, okay, SVG, what could they take away from this? Mm-hmm. Um from a user's point of view. And, and it was actually pretty interesting because like afterwards when I did get, you know, people come up to you, say, thank you for giving the presentation. It was one of those that was a, a business uh, minded person that said, I learned a lot that yeah. I didn't think I would be interested yeah. in, but I was. Yeah. Wow. And that must have kind of motivated you a little bit. Um, I, I would imagine it would be motivating to do more or to learn a little bit more about another topic. Um, so did you kind of take that and were you a little bit more confident the next time and kind of put yourself out there for another type of presentation or workshop or yeah I think it it helped shaped um presentations for me as a way for me to learn yeah okay um because it's one of those that if the best way to learn is to teach it Mm -hmm. um yeah I will to teach yeah absolutely exactly so for me a presentation is just another way for me to learn something Mm -hmm. um so I really Uh, When I'm trying to like jump into something new to try to learn something new, I think, well, if I can teach it, um, then that's the best way for me to do it. Mm -hmm. So presentations kind of come in. Well, on the topic of learning and 
you know, keeping up with maybe new skills or different skills. How do you, as an individual and as a company, stay up to date or adapt to like technological changes that are happening? Um, do you encourage your other co-founders to go to conferences or how do you how do you go about that so it's actually how would i say this it's a balancing act um because you do want to stay current but at the same time you don't want to be changing things every like two weeks yeah absolutely um so that's one of the things that i've learned actually when switching to an agency when I was freelancing, it was very easy to me to be like, I'm using this program today, and then I'm doing this other thing tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just me. When you have multiple people that kind of rely on a, uh, rely on a process, mm-hmm. um, if you keep on switching, no one's going to really communicate effectively. Right. So it's one of those, it's like we, we both have to stay current, but at the same time, we have to find the things that kind of work for us and use them. Um, so as far as uh, staying current, going to these meetups, um, going even to like the San Francisco ones, going to ones here in Sacramento, mm-hmm. staying up to date with blogs, mm-hmm. um, and then just trying uh, to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, have you tried any like, uh, like what platforms have you used to, to learn new things? Are you using, um, are you going to the meetups to meet other people and asking them questions? Or are you using maybe like YouTube or something to look up new programs that you've heard about or how does that go uh youtube is definitely a big time suck of where i'm always in there and like (laughs) i'll see one video on how to do something Mm -hmm. and usually they mention like this one keyword of something else and i'm like let me research that one yep you just get into a hole right it's just digging yourself in yeah have you um have you tried taking any like online classes or maybe going to like the community colleges for a class or two or are you just not really interested in that um i guess that kind of frames it in a bad way but i don't think that's bad at all i just am more curious what avenues you've taken um well it's um so these are all going to be based on code though so that's kind of the one thing is where i'm hesitant is because there hasn't been a lot of the design ones i'm i have more recent experience with code Mm -hmm. so um i actually where is where am i going with this one i just lost it that's all right no worries I have more questions if you if you want to think about that for a little bit we can come back to it yeah no worries (laughs) yeah um so like back to the company a little bit Mm -hmm. so when you have a client I mean this is I think a struggle that most freelancers and just people in general face uh how do you balance what the client wants and what your vision is and yeah how do you go about that like have you ever had an issue with clashing Mm -hmm. with that clashing or is that yeah um so it kind of starts in the very beginning um because a lot of times what the client wants is just kind of their quick solution um they may be having decisions like you said Mm -hmm. exactly they probably have something that's come up and they're just like well we need a new website Mm -hmm. um but for us it's just like why like are they losing money are they losing investors are people not wanting to work there like the reasons why really dictate what we should be doing um so at first you know when and this is kind of even me when i was freelancing i would just immediately assume as soon as somebody asked for something just kind of deliver it right but then it wouldn't really solve the problem okay so what we've learned is that 
if you really kind of dig in at the very beginning and you have that conversation with them too mm -hmm. and you have to be frank about it um because to them you know they care about the business and you have to show that you care about their business as well yeah absolutely mm -hmm. so you'll end up uh learning kind of the reasons behind it and then you kind of start working on like well this is kind of how we see we can solve this so what kind of questions uh, do you have i would assume maybe a physical meeting or something online a phone meeting whatnot do, what kind of questions do you ask during that first one or two meetings to kind of get the you know, foundation for what you're going to be building. What do you think is the most important question? I guess is. Oh gosh. Well, there's a there's a ton of important questions. Mm -hmm. Um. So one of them, uh, we kind of try to figure out what their their goal is with mm -hmm. this. So usually they come with a change, like we need a new website, we want a new logo, and we want to know why. We also kind of want to know their kind of business goals. Um, because like a nonprofit, a for-profit business, they kind of have different goals. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've had some nonprofits that here we're thinking they want more donations, but they don't want more money. They have money. They okay. need volunteers. Okay. And that kind of changed it because now when it comes to like designing stuff, the focus kind of shifts. Right. Cause your audience is changing a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. So we try to like dig into really what they're trying to do because, um, a lot of our design decisions, um, especially since we're working with like websites and things where people interact, um, it has to kind of help solve their problem there. So we end up digging there. We also dig in um, into kind of how they're structured because it's different when it's a committee that's coming to us okay. um, versus when it's a sole person that's going to be making decisions right. because even navigating that, um, there are some things that it may be really easy Here's the mock-ups, check them out. Sounds great. Sign off on yeah, them. Yeah, if it's one person, it sometimes it's just a lot easier with that. Exactly. <laughs> check and mark. It, yeah, and dealing with a committee could get a little bit more difficult. So we want to be aware of all these things yeah. to just bid it out properly mm -hmm. um, and then just kind of manage it properly. Okay, interesting. So what is your... So after you are done asking all these questions, you get like a really solid foundation for you and your team, what you're going to work on. What is your next step in your design process? You know, do you take that back? Do you do some sketches? Or I guess it depends on the product, obviously, that you're trying to produce. But. Right. Well, well, once once we kind of get enough from them, we start to figure out, is this something that we can bid on? Is this something that we can offer them? Um, or if we're even going to do recommend, recommendations. Okay. So a lot of times we'll write out the bid and say, this is the direction that we're going with. These are the problems that we're going to solve for you. Um, and this is also the point where here's the freelancers where we think you should really invest in, um, okay. or these other aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, if they green light that, then we can kind of start digging in a bit deeper. Okay. Um, so you kind of write up where you kind of like draw out what you think your team can do for them mm -hmm. and you bring it back to them and you say, Hey, here's what we can do. If you're okay with this let's go for it if not we have some recommendations is that kind of what you're saying we'll even have recommendations in that bid because okay. there's sometimes that we know that um like for example copywriting mm -hmm. uh, for the longest time none of us are really confident enough to do a lot of the strong copywriting mm -hmm. um but we knew copywriters right so for us it was one of those where it's just like this is what we can do but there's also going to need to be a copywriter and here's who we can recommend yeah we can yeah. recommend for this project uh-huh Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. So then once that is green lighted, then 
it just goes into production, I would assume. And, and what does that process look like? Do you work here at the office? Do you kind of have meetings in a little conference area or what? Uh, so usually there's going to be a project manager on it and it's going to be one of us. If, if Patrick's not leading it, it could be uh, myself. Mm -hmm. And we just start to work on all the little details, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that um, everybody knows what needs to be delivered, when, um, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then usually we start to delegate stuff. So uh, if it's a lot of the... Um, design work that gets delegated out to Ali to kind of focus on uh, if it's creative work um, uh, when it comes to digital side of things it usually gets delegated to me mm -hmm. and then Patrick will handle any asset creations okay and it's just the three of you at the company correct mm -hmm. okay that's neat and um, wow that's pretty cool though that you can you know that you manage to do all that and whatnot how many clients would you say that you manage at a time Ooh. um and do you limit it? Yeah, so I would say it's usually around 10 at a time. Okay, that's quite a bit. Yeah, the thing though is that there's projects come in different sizes. Mm -hmm. So some of them are a little bit small, um, where you know you can kind of knock one thing out, hand it off. There's some other clients that are more like daily, um, always kind of there. Mm -hmm. So we also kind of look at that. Is it a bigger project that's going to take a lot of our time or is it a smaller project? Yeah, absolutely. And what tools do you find um, you and your team using the most? Um, are they usually like Adobe kind of products or are you more physical on paper a lot or what's that like? Uh, we're very much Adobe okay. house here. Mm -hmm. um, so we're always an illustrator. Mm -hmm. um, we're using Photoshop, Lightroom. Mm -hmm. um, I'm using XD. I've tried Sketch. Um, but now I've used XC just because of it's easier to hand off to the others. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I'm probably, because tech seems there's a lot more options, mm -hmm. I kind of venture outside of Adobe, mm -hmm. but I would say that's mainly our tools. Interesting. And um, so what kind of advice do you have to offer to a newer designer or to somebody who is maybe you're transitioning and trying to figure out their path um, yeah, what kind of advice do you have to offer them? Oh gosh, well let's see. Or um, maybe we could think about what advice you would offer to yourself in the past, your younger self, and then we can come back to the newer designer, if that's easier. Uh, well, let's see. So advice for myself, um, I wish I can just tell myself to be a little bit more confident. Because mm -hmm. um, there's often times where you can tell that the main problem of the whole project was just me not committing to something. Okay. Me having that gut feeling that this is probably the right decision for the client mm -hmm. um, and the right decision for me, but I was too afraid to make that decision. Mm -hmm. um, and how if you, how did you overcome that in the moment? Do you did you have any like tools that you used uh, to kind of get? I think it's just been happening over time. Mm -hmm. um, this kind of goes a lot. Uh, with imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. um, but I think as like, as time goes on, you start to do research, you start to meet other people. This is also probably one of the benefits of, of going to meetups and, and, and actually meeting other people because mm -hmm. you realize you're not that different than everybody else. Yeah. So um, we all have the same struggles and, and you, can totally, you can totally relate to them. So for me, it was just like starting to have to be a little bit harder on my... 
harder on myself to be more from a like, okay, you're confident about this, so just do it. Yeah, like this is this is the right thing. You have good intuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you can just move forward with that. And I would say that's probably some advice that you'd probably offer to some uh, newer designers as well. But what other pieces of advice do you have maybe for some newer designers um, or transition phase piece people? Right. Uh, so I recently did a portfolio review at Sac City. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple different things that I noticed. Actually, there was one overall theme. Um there was a lot of, how would I say this? There was a lot of diverse portfolios, mm-hmm. but nothing was really concrete to like what they actually wanted to do. Okay. Um, and were these UX, UI portfolios? Or is, was it coding? No, these were all design. Portfolios. They were all design. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you had some people that like, they liked illustration, but they didn't really show it fully on their work. Okay. Um, you had some people that were very much into the business side of design, mm-hmm. really kind of like solving problems, um, but they didn't really clearly explain the problems that were in their work. Um, so for me, it was one of those that when you're going to an agency um, or just trying to get a job that way, you kind of want to be clear and like, this is what I'm good at. This is what I love doing. Uh-huh. Um, even if you've never really had a client for that, but you can show some work and you can explain it, that's mm-hmm. worth doing. Yeah, interesting. So yeah, kind of like pick something that you're good at and be really good at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so how, I guess, how would you find that thing that you're good at? Like how did you find that for yourself? Uh, or did you find that for yourself? It was a lot of process of elimination. Okay. I think in, in when it came to photography, I did maternity wedding families children mm-hmm. i did a lot of those things only once okay because once i did it i said this is not for me yeah absolutely <laughs> and then you find some things that you're just like this is actually pretty fun i'll do it again i'll do it again and then you want to kind of advance those skills you start to kind of figure out this is something i want to do mm-hmm. um another piece of advice i guess too um if you're trying to get a, an agency job is kind of study the agency itself mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of us that are brand new agencies. There's some that have been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said, there's specialty shops and there's more general shops. Right. Um, so you can't, you can't really, how would I say this? You can't come at each one with the same approach because totally. everyone's going to be looking for something different. Right. So kind of find something that you want to work for, find somewhere where you want to work for, and then tailor yourself and your resume and your portfolio to those. Yeah, exactly. Or at least um, just kind of know that when you're applying for someone. So like, let's say here in Sacramento, there could be a small shop that just kind of does a lot of small business websites and they're just kind of turn and burn. Mm -hmm. Um, So that style of what they're going to be looking for, maybe someone a little bit more general purpose good design, you know how to work in WordPress. That's Mm -hmm. the main thing because they're working directly with small businesses and that's kind of how their business runs. But if you're trying to work for a higher end agency, that's literally competing with other agencies to try to get national brands. They want that specialist. They want the skill set that's going to set them apart. Mm -hmm. So they're going to be paying attention to something else. So I think that's kind of what I mean, but there's a lot of times that we kind of have our portfolio and you're going to go to two different agencies and one's going to look at how specialized you are versus the other one are going to be how well do you kind of, can you handle multiple things? But that's just because that's how their business models are set up. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's just, like you said, it's kind of like a business decision that they have to make. And, um, you know, yeah, I think that's 
an interesting approach. Definitely useful to look into it that way. Did you have any mentors at the beginning of your career? Hmm. I would say, so when I worked do with the buckhorn, um, the owner of the buckhorn really kind of helped mentor me in, on the business side of things. Okay, interesting. Um, I remember early on, it was one of those things that I went from, as I said, working at uh, just one of the restaurants to working at all of his restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would work more hand in hand with him just kind of figuring out how we're going to do this for the whole thing. There was even a time, because when I was doing this, I was not freelancing. I was actually doing it uh, paid uh, W-2 through the bus. Right, while you were busing also, right? While I was busing too. (laughs) Um, And I think... Jack of all trades. Exactly. So it came to this point where I was thinking that my time was worth more. I think, gosh, what was it? I was making like $15 an hour Mm -hmm. and I wanted 20 Right, and you're like, uh, oh, I'm worth more than this. I'm worth more than this. So I asked him for a raise, mm-hmm. and I remember that he said, he's like, are you really serious about this? Um, and I said, yes. And then he says, okay, well, I can't give you a raise. He's like, go find a new job. <laughs> well, he he basically said, it's like, if you're really serious about this, like, I, I know where you're coming with this. It's like, mm-hmm. you can be, I can hire you out as a contractor. You can mm-hmm. set your price and you can do your thing. He's like, I've had other contractors that come to me and they'll raise their prices and if it's if it makes sense i'll hire you and if it doesn't make sense i won't hire you and to me then there was this like security net of just like oh no that's going away it's like here i am like working for the guy now he's telling right. me that i'm no longer going to work for him that he may hire me right if i wanted if the raise. he wants to wow so, that was scary so what decision did you make in that situation uh it was a hard one but i figured out that i really did want to do this and mm-hmm. i and I said, I don't know. I don't know exactly what pushed me at that time, but I said, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. So I ended up going to the office saying, I'm no longer going to be, you know, um, working for the company. I'm just going to be a contractor, set up my whole like paperwork that I needed to. And then I told them it was going to be $25. Wow. And did he accept it? Of course, because it's like, I've already been doing yeah. it for so many years. So. so that was awesome. I mean, you got like a $10 raise in the matter of a week. Yep. Wow. And, and it was, I think from there on, it was very much a learning lesson because now yeah. it was, it was suddenly I was a business owner. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was having to learn all the other aspects of business. Do you think it was valuable experience for you to be working for what you would consider as less than what you were worth for a little bit of time? Like, do you feel like it helped you build up that imposter or get rid of the imposter syndrome that you might've felt before? Um, for me, it worked because I was able to actually just do work. Right. And you didn't really have to worry about it too much because you were still getting paid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a learning lesson in all that because it's like, even though I wasn't making that much money, mm-hmm. um, I was learning how to send out invoices. I was learning right. how to um, do my taxes. Yeah. I was learning how to like adjust pricing and all this, it, even though it was small change. Mm-hmm. I think it's like one of those like... Um, gosh, I just got that Robinhood app. Uh, and it's yeah. one of those that, no, I'm not putting in like $100,000 and making these great deals. I'm putting in like a few, you know, 
couple bucks at a time just yeah, to play with little it. small investments and whatnot yeah but you learn from that kind of stuff so for me Absolutely. yeah so for me that was kind of it it was one of those that i was starting my business and I wasn't making that much money, but I was learning as much as I could from it at the time. Yeah, because I think that a lot of people, at least I know that I have been fearful of accepting a position that was maybe a little bit lower than I expected uh, because of fear of just accepting something lower. But I think that sometimes it can be valuable to gain experience. And, you know, I guess that's what I'm, where I'm coming from is that people are a little bit afraid of that and maybe... They shouldn't be deterred from that. Yeah, no, I think you, with any decision that you make, you just mm-hmm. need to be clear on what you're getting out of it. And it's right. not always going to be financial. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things that if I'm making this agreement, no, I'm not going to be making it up in finances, mm-hmm. but I will get experience and I would get exposure. Right. Um, there was times I remember I did this photo shoot for a friend. Um, what was it? I'll pay you an exposure. Well, it, it wasn't even that. I think it was like $100 for like a full weekend. It was like two days and I just, wow. and it was a lot of work, but yeah. it was fun. Yeah. And we, we got to go do it. Mm-hmm. And from those photos, somebody else saw them and said, I saw this photo shoot and I thought it was great. I would wow. love to like get hired. Mm-hmm. So then I charged like my full rate and more because like I, I, my normal rate plus what I thought it was worth. Yeah. And then the client was just like, I, you know, yeah, sure. sure. Sounds great. And I was like, wow, I like actually got what I wanted to mm-hmm. from this other shoot that I did. Right. Um, and I think there's a lot of stories of that, like a, of a lot of different designers or photographers where you kind of do something for free or you do something for cheap, but mm-hmm. it's the exposure that's really kind of helping you out. Right. And maybe not the exposure like socially, but maybe even the exposure to yourself, like the experience that you're getting. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important though that with that, that you have to be in control of that in a way. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of times, um, and I've had this, people promise you like you can get exposure, but if that's what they're selling, um, doesn't always work out for me i was doing it because i knew this is what i wanted to do right and you get you went in with maybe a goal or something that you wanted to get out of the experience yeah yeah i think that's definitely a valuable lesson (laughs) and experience to have to just go in with something wow so if you could recommend maybe one book or podcast or resource or anything out in the world that has helped you or people that you know to our listeners uh what would it be can it be like come to a desco meetup (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can absolutely say that i will take a desco plug anytime (laughs) um gosh okay book or podcast what is the name of that book that i just i don't have it with me that's right. You can just describe it and maybe like give a little synopsis and that way our listeners can be like, oh yeah, that sounds really interesting. Right, right. Uh, so it was just, it's a recent book that I read on typography and it was okay. on um, typography in the web. Uh, gosh. In the web? Okay. Yes, I'm trying to remember what it is because it's this writer who he ended up doing a um, online blog, like a newsletter series. And then so many people asked him, it's like, this is great. How do I get more? So I ended up writing a detailed view of it. Um, but what I enjoyed about it is that it was a book on both typography 
uh, and web because I think a lot of times you see a lot of books that are just typography One or the other, yeah. exactly or you see things that are just code but here it's like this is kind of how it works together mm-hmm. and that's kind of the world that I'm living in right now okay. where you're designing but you're also working with the limitations of technology mm-hmm. um, or possibilities of it and um, trying to figure out how it is I wish I had that book with me here Sounds good. all right well thank you again so much Ivan for meeting with us today and for being our first podcast guest um, it was really great to hear your story, really inspiring. I mean, as someone who is kind of entering this field in the past couple of years, I think that uh, I've certainly gained some valuable insights. Uh, yeah, so I really look forward to just continued meetings and everything. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Right. Glad to Thanks. be here. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. Check out our show notes for resources. And if you want to get in touch, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us on Instagram at SACDESCO, that's S-A-C-D-E-S-C-O, or email us at thisisdesco at gmail.com. Special thanks to Sam Shapiro for the music. I'm Milo Cho, and you've been listening to Breaking the Grid, brought to you by SACDESCO in beautiful Sacramento, California. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day.